In my case, because the ADHD has always been accompanied with crippling anxiety, I'm the one agent people know that they can call that I will always be early for everything unless something major comes up. Because I will literally be sitting there in my car 30 to 40 minutes before an appointment and just trying to go through my entire checklist of did I bring everything okay, I'm not late, I can breathe for a few minutes before I have to go tackle this. The biggest thing that I see as a hindrance to our industry is people are so busy chasing the idea of being number one that they lose focus of the fact that you don't need 800 number ones. Hello and welcome to the Agent Podcast with your host, that's me, Raymond Scholseth. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Agent Podcast. I'm here with my friend Rainy, and today we're going to talk about real estate. Rainy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, glad you're here. So why real estate? So for me, I needed something that was able to meet short and long-term goals as far as having direct control over my day-to-day life. I struggle from ADHD as well as other things that make routines necessary, but also burnout very probable. So with real estate, this allows me to have a positive outing where I can make a positive impact on other people's lives without having a metric of, did I, did I succeed or did I fail? At the end of the day, did I help the person? Did we reach that short-term or long-term goal? And can I go home happy knowing I did the best I could that day? And so that's why real estate, it lets me give back to the community and it also helps me tackle my own personal learning issues. So how has that worked out for you with ADHD? Because, you know, you are not alone with ADHD um, in the world, let alone in this field. Um, There's a lot of very successful agents that struggle with that, some unknowingly, but succeed regardless anyway. How have you been able to cultivate that and integrate that into your business and use it as a, as a tool versus a disability, so to speak? I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's definitely an alternative way of thinking. It can be a disability in the wrong environment, or it can be the greatest strength you've ever looked at in the right environment. In my case, because the ADHD has always been accompanied with crippling anxiety, I'm the one agent people know that they can call that I will always be early for everything unless something major comes up. Because I will literally be sitting there in my car 30 to 40 minutes before an appointment and just trying to go through my entire checklist of, did I bring everything okay? I'm not late. I can breathe for a few minutes before I have to go tackle this because social anxiety is also a thing. So I have that time to decompress before my appointments. In addition, it's worked out really well because my paperwork If something's late, it's not because of me. If something is wrong, it's not because I did it. It's gotten to the point where I will triple and quadruple check everything I touch before it even leaves my email inbox. Because I know that if I don't stay to that checklist, I'm going to be lost at some point. So I literally have an entire buyer and seller packet that has a checklist on it that I send them. But I also use the same checklist to make sure I've hit every bullet point on a timeline. So I don't need to worry about missing deadlines, missing reminders. And with real estate, because I have that open schedule, if I need to take the time to look back at something, I have that ability. I have the ability to say, okay, I'm overwhelmed. This is the number of clients I can handle right now. I take care of them and then I reevaluate. Okay, well, now I feel much better. I can take on an extra five or 10 clients this month, you know. 
So it gives me that freedom to set my own goals based on what I can handle at that time. How is it for you working with other agents that may not be as diligent or responsive or communicate as good as they maybe should? It is a very frustrating thing. I kind of, you know, I, for the sake of professionalism, because it's not about me, it's about my clients and getting them to the, to the end goal. I do bite my tongue a lot and I do have a very nasty temper. I have a very nasty attitude, but I do bite it back for the sake of professionalism. And I kind of mask it and go, Oh no, that's fine. That's okay. I just need it by this time. Because if we don't have it by this time, then we can't plan the next 40 steps of this process. So I try to phrase it in a way that goes, Hey, we need this yesterday. Can you get it to me by the end of this week so we can pretend we were on time? And it, it's very, very frustrating. And I get that it's because they're busy and their minds don't work the same way. So I have to like remind myself that, hey, not everyone is 20 steps ahead of you, like you are because you didn't choose to be. It's just, that's just the way it is. It can be very frustrating. And I will say that there have been times where I've just looked at my therapist and I've gone, I just need like four days to decompress and not talk to any other agents. <laughs> How many deals do you typically do a year in your business right now? I limit myself to no more than 15 total. Uh, typically, direct deals, I typically do between 5 and 12. Now that said, I will take on up to 60 of other agents' transactions and we'll work through those on the back end for them. But my personal clients that I'm spending day-to-day FaceTime with, I will take no more than, than between 5 to 15 a year. So you have kind of two sides of your business. You have your actual clients that you're servicing for your Mm -hmm. deals. And then you have like a transaction coordinator type of service you're offering. Yes. How did you get started on that? Um, I actually came from medical billing and realized that the structure was almost identical. And I love the fact that paperwork doesn't change. There's nothing new about paperwork. It's just going through the routine of getting it where it needs to be and getting the signatures and, and you know, I's dotted and T's crossed when they need to be done. That is almost cathartic for me to decompress every day. And it's an easy way to make income too, because how many agents do we know that don't want to bother with paperwork? And in my case, my brokerage is very, very, very on point with paperwork, we probably have a lot more that needs done than most brokerages in the world. As far as I understand, uh, they have very strict guidelines on what is and is not acceptable. And it kind of works well for me because it gives that rigidity um, as a second source of income. I love that. What brokerage are you with at the moment? I am with eXp Realty. Awesome. So their systems are structured, they're strict. Yes. Um, So everything has its deadline. If you don't have your addendums up to date on time, they will let you know, hey, this should have been done already. You know, what's the holdup? Why didn't you put a note in kind of thing? Um, There is an entire checklist for every transaction, no matter what you're doing. Um, even Even if you're just a referral agent, there's an entire checklist of stuff to remind you, hey, you need to follow up with whoever you referred this to and get us these documents just to cover everyone in an audit situation, just to make sure that everyone is doing everything they're supposed to be doing. And I like that because I, prior to going to EXP, I felt like a walking lawsuit because there was no structure. (laughs) There was no structure. There was no training. Um, It was just kind of, oh, great. You have your license, pay us these fees and go, go sell stuff, you know? And that has not been my experience with EXP. It's been very structured. So it's interesting because, you know, EXP is kind of known for a couple different things, but one of them being the more entrepreneurial brokerage, Mm -hmm. right? Like 
you need to be prepared to figure it out and do the work yourself. Yes, they have resources versus getting put into a broker with a typical office environment and going yes. through that that steps or the process. How do you feel about that? I feel like it really depends on your market and how you learn. If you are a go-getter, you're a very, very people-heavy person, you love being surrounded by people daily, EXP could potentially be a little rough for you, especially if, unless you're joining a team, it could be very rough for you because there is so much solo work done with us being a vastly majority virtual brokerage. Now that said, EXP does have brick and mortar offices because most states not only require it um, for so many agents, but because they just prefer it. They have the means, they've done well enough that they now have the means to create their own local office. So most agents that join EXP can do either one they want to do. I just personally prefer not having to be in front of people with social anxiety um, that I have any longer than I need to be. And I love working with people, but my social battery is very small. <laughs> social battery. That's good. I love that. <laughs> you need a shirt. My social battery is empty. Please leave. Yes. I actually think I have a few shirts that allude to as much downstairs somewhere. <laughs> okay. So moving on to structure and systems and how mm -hmm. you run your business day to day. Mm -hmm. How have you set that up? Because it seems like you're a pretty systematic person. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't read the checklist manifesto, you should. Um, <laughs> I haven't great, yet. That's a great book. And I think you would enjoy it just based on our conversation here. But how have you set your day to day up? Like, how do you operate to be organized, to be systematic, to automate as much as possible? What does that look like for you? So I during peak season, so specifically from February or March, depending on when my personal market starts to get a little heated with listings, from the start of the pre-spring market prep until about October, I am up at 5.30 every day. I do you know, my, my mental reset from 5.30 to 6-ish and just kind of get into the gear of everything that needs done for the day. I review anything I may have forgotten from the previous day, get it addressed immediately. And then I start, I go through all of my checklists for all of the agents I'm working on or trying to help. And I go, okay, this is what's due at this time. I will then take from six o'clock to eight o'clock and we'll schedule emails. So as soon as eight o'clock rolls around, every single person I need to contact that day already has a full expectation of everything I need by the end of the day. They already know exactly where we're at or they already have their updates and they're ready to go. I don't have to think about it. So for those two hours, I can burn through all of that. From eight o'clock a.m. to eight o'clock p.m. or until daylight ends are my business hours. I do not show after dark. Um, because I don't see well at night. And frankly, no one wants to be behind me or in front of me on the road, not being able to see after dark. So that is the time I take to do follow-up calls and to touch base with clients. Okay. How, you know, how did you like the house we saw today? What are your thoughts on these? Hey, do you want to see any of these houses? And I take care of all of my property, like showing scheduling at that time as then from eight to 10, I do any paperwork that needs done for other agents that night. And then I'm just, you know, back up at 5.30 again the next morning kind of thing. And during the 8 a.m. to dark or 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., mm -hmm. is that fairly structured and consistent or is yes. that, okay. It is daily. It does not matter if I have technically taken a day off. I am still doing the same routine. I may not be taking business calls that day unless it's like something that's already in progress. 
but I am still sticking to the routine and I may just fill the hours with other things. Like I have two dogs that are one of which is a show dog. So I am constantly grooming and, you know, things like that. I do all my own in-home grooming on all five of my animals, three of which being cats too. So it's, I take that time and stick to a routine anyways. And then I get done any errands and chores I need done that got put off during the peak business hours through the week. But otherwise it's still eight, it's still 5.30 AM to 10 PM. So what do you do for lead generation for your business to get your deals? What does that look like? This year was actually a awesome year. This is the first time in the three and a half years I've been licensed that I did not have to actually purchase a single lead. I did everything this year completely through word of mouth and referral uh, by attending events. Other agents from other brokerages out of state were you know, calling me like, hey, can you take on this client? They don't have the greatest credit or whatever the situation may be. But we've heard from other people that we know that you will do this. So this year was the first year I was able to go 100% referral. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a big achievement. Yeah. I was excited. (laughs) Um, But now if I need to lead gen, so saying, or say January rolls around and I don't have quite as many, you know, referrals waiting, then my normal lead generation, I use a combination of KV core, which is provided through my brokerage, as well as Facebook, because I already know social media marketing. I used to stream daily through Twitch. I already know how to market. So I incorporated that experience with the with the tools provided from my brokerage. And I just, I let that come in. I set, you know, 10 bucks for whatever this targeted situation is, as far as the ad goes, what I have available, what I need. And then I turn it off after the 10 bucks. I work whatever leads come in. And then if I get something great, if I don't, I restart it. And what are you doing for that ad? It's obviously hyper-local, targeted. Mm-hmm. So what, what I will do... Doing? Are you sending them to a video? Is there a lead magnet, a home buying guide? Like what's happening? I have all of that actually available on my direct website. So really, I'm just linking people to my website, um, typically. Now, if I already have buyer clients for whatever reason, and there's just not... I'm noticing there's a lack of certain price ranges in the market... I'll go ahead and start farming for listings specifically and say, you know, I'll go ahead and start putting in, hey, our market has a lack of these. And these are the price ranges that most buyers need. And so I will, I will basically say, okay, well, if you, even if you don't list with me, if you can put your home on the market, I, will gar- I can guarantee you I will have a buyer at some point in the very near future for that if I don't already. And that's kind of what my ads look like. I look at the market, I analyze what we are missing, and then that's where I target it. So and you run your own Facebook ads? Mm-hmm. I run my own Facebook ads. I have a friend in Canada that kind of walked me through and helped me kind of fine tune and tweak my ads as needed because that's what he is a he is an ISA for a living. But I made friends with him and he's kind of like helped me fine tune exactly what needs to be done. As far as photos go, because people routinely look at videos and photos more, they're less likely to pass over an ad for that reason. And it's more engaging. I will talk to any of the other agents in my brokerage and in my state, and they will flat out say, yeah, you can absolutely use my listing. Please advertise my listing, you know, and that's where I will get the photos or I'll get the link to a video, things like that. That's cool. That's a great idea, right? There's, it's win-win for everybody. Mm -hmm. It helps you drive traffic. Maybe they get their property sold or viewed. Mm-hmm. And you can engage with people. I love that. That's really the only way to really approach social media, just because we're always on social media, but 
most people now don't have the attention span they had 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, no way. Because there's so much information coming at them so quickly. And so many um, platforms, right? Yes. People are hopping between a million platforms. Mm-hmm. And with Facebook, since they integrated the business manager, I can make one post and it will go to both. And then I can just share it to LinkedIn if need be. Right. Yep. So. Simple and clean. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Simple and clean. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> I love that. What did you do before real estate? Um, I did directly before real estate. I did medical billing. Um, you I got that for how long? Five years. I was okay. very burned out. Very, very burned out. Um, I could. I. I kind of loved that I could manage paperwork all day. But what was soul crushing was the eight to four thirty or eight to five, knowing that I can't actually directly help these patients, and knowing that I do not want to be in the medical field because that would. You know, like I loved what I did, but I hated the fact that I wasn't directly able to impact anything. So it just felt like the same, like, you know, rigmarole all day with no real results. Yeah. But I guess what you got out of it, like you mentioned earlier, was the ability to bring that over to your transaction coordination Mm -hmm. business, which you've monetized, which is awesome. Okay. So before medical billing, what did you do? Other than that, I have been in customer service and sales since I was 15. Okay. Which is hilarious. Again, not being a people person. <laughs> I've gotten real good at putting that, you know, that, hi, how are you? Customer service voice and mask up. It's been great. A um, lot of experience with that. Uh, so I started in I started in customer service and fast food at 15. And then from there, I've done everything from, you know, helping out like pet grooming clinics. I've, I've helped out and I've worked at, you know, retail. No one loves retail, but it, I feel like it teaches great core values and great lessons. Everyone should sit through it at some point to remember themselves and remember how to handle tough situations. I've done call center work uh, for sales and customer service. I've done billing. I've done collections. I was that person that that no one wanted to answer the phone for for a little while. I'm not proud of that, but you know, you got to make a living. And uh, yeah, I never did telemarketing. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like all of that has had its own hand in different areas of where you are today, right? Which mm-hmm. is usually how it works. Um, okay, what what would you like to pay forward to our other professionals out there? Um, it can be personal, it can be professional, just something. What's one one thing? If someone walks away from our conversation with only one thing, what would you want to tell somebody? The biggest thing that I see as a hindrance to our industry is people are so busy chasing the idea of being number one that they lose focus of the fact that you don't need 800 number ones. You just need to be able to assist your clients to the best of your ability. If you were taking on more than you can feasibly handle, even with assistance, someone's getting left in the dust and you're not doing them a good service or yourself a good service because now you're burned out and you're running thin too. You don't, it's kind of like valedictorians going into college. It's great to be the valedictorian for your high school. Congratulations. But you're not going to go to a college that has 2,000 valedictorians. No one wins. No one wins. You stress yourself out for no reason. No one's happy. Make sure that if you want to aim for number one, that's great. By all means, go for it. But do not let that be your focus. Your focus should be serving our communities because our industry is one of the least trusted in the in all professions for a good reason. People get left in the dust and they don't need to be. So focus more on what's directly in front of you and not 
an idea. I love that. And, work with, and please communicate and work with other agents, please. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, Rainy. That's awesome. Well, this has been great. Where can people find you? If they want to get in touch, reach out, have a question, need some ADHD advice as an adult. Absolutely. I'm happy to help with everything. I'm not a medical professional anymore, um, but you know, I'm happy to share some tips and tricks. I am on Facebook under Rainy Emmerich, um, Northern Panhandle, West Virginia Real Estate. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Wild Wonderful Real Estate and on TikTok as Wild Wonderful Real Estate. So otherwise, I don't, I don't think I have anything else. No, no, I deactivated the others because they're already integrated. So yeah, my website can be found on all three of those as well. Perfect. Rainy, thanks so much. This was awesome. Thanks for sharing and thanks for going uh, deep into your personal life. No worries. Thanks again for having me. And if it helps somebody, then it was worth everything. 100%. That's what we're here for. Talk soon. Hey guys, it's Ray. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much for being here and we'll see you on the next one.